thank you everyone for joining us. Um, I believe this is our, our 10th town hall um, since we began many weeks ago. We're going to keep doing these, so thank you for joining us. Boaz, will you please take us away? Yes, of course. Thank you, Tom. Um, thanks to our, our panelists and attendees. It's great to see you all again. Um, I'm going to go in a, in a direction that, that is a little bit different than our main theme today. Um, early in the COVID crisis, you know, the second half of March, um, in Bewa Ari, and I believe on these town halls also, we talked a lot about how the situation was calling for us to um, bring new awareness forward, right? And, and at the time we were talking about um, bringing awareness about um, our relationship to the environment in particular. Um, and now 2020 has given us yet another opportunity to um, challenge our awareness and challenge ourselves. Um, so I do want to take this opportunity to acknowledge the deep fractures that are present in our society um, and to acknowledge that um, those fractures are expanding, both as a result of the COVID crisis and um, in response to continued expressions of institutional racism. And I believe that communicating this is part of healing it. So I wanted to use this forum to put that out there. Um, we sent a letter out this morning um, expressing um, my initial views and reactions to um, what we see going on in our country. Um, and that also included a letter from our DEI committee. Um, and um, that's, that's a group of eight people within Bewa Ari. I also believe that we're uniquely positioned in the solar industry to have a voice in these kinds of issues. Um, in particular, um, renewable energy goes to the issue of energy democracy, which is a social justice issue for sure. And renewable energy, of course, is at the heart of environmental justice as well. And my belief is that um, it's at the same level of consciousness and increasing self-awareness that we address all of these issues. And the truth is that our relationships to our community and our environment are really the best reasons to be in this industry. Um, so making the transition, um, we've been talking a lot about new mental models um, being pertinent also to defining a new normal um, in renewable energy and marketing and selling solar energy systems as a contribution to advancing our principles um, does call us to rethink our methods and tools for doing that. So I'm looking forward to today's discussion about innovation in solar sales. And I am listening against this backdrop of new awareness in general. And I invite you to do that as well. So thank you all for being here, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thanks, Boaz. I'd like to bring up uh, and welcome Martha Amram now. Um, she's an economist. She's the CEO of Glint AI, and she's a regular contributor to our town halls. Thanks for joining us again, Martha. Nice to see you. Thank you. Um, I take a moment to breathe and echo um, Boaz's uh, framing of the matters. Um, we're all in pause mode and thinking hard about the fractures in our society and recognizing there's COVID uh, and community-based injustices and how renewable energy and energy democracy is part of the path forward. So uh, thank you for setting this up and thank you for having my participation. Uh, I wanna go from macro to setting it up on targeting solar customers. And macro starts reflecting on consumer sentiment. So uh, sh should I be sharing my slides or? No, we're happy to share. Jessica, okay, thank you. Share the first slide, thank you. So um, let's remind ourselves of the big picture of the economy. 70% um, of the US GDP is consumer spending. 
So when we want to see how quickly we'll come out of any sort of COVID-induced recession, we want to track consumer sentiment, which is uh, just a very basic question. Are you feeling confident about the future? So it is a way for a consumer, almost like in a net promoter score type simplicity, to just say, here's what I'm thinking about the future. And what we saw at the end of April, and I just want to say this report that we're looking at here is end of April, so we should expect it to be updated probably within uh, by June 15th, um, and we'll get May. But at the end of April, uh, consumer sentiment had plunged to levels never not seen since 2008, 2009 type period, and that amount of the plunge was the sharpest on record. So sentiment about the future has had a sharp pullback in confidence. And it took us a long time to build up confidence out of 2008, 2009. And so economists look at this as a, a huge mental shift in how households are thinking about their future. Uh, next slide. And we can put this together with savings rates. Uh, so personal savings at, as of April just went sky high. And as you can see, this is a Bureau of Economic Analysis data uh, from surveys taken by the government. And typically, there's a lot of concern about the American low savings rate. Sometimes we have to save low, like, you know, we uh, need to balance our budgets. And sometimes we go on a spending spree. And I think the spending spree argument is why savings rates were so low in 2005. But as you can see, uh, we just kind of went off the charts here in savings rates. So we have 70% of our economy saying, oh my gosh, my confidence in the future has plummeted as of the end of April. And I'm saving absolutely everything I can. On the right-hand side here, we have Steve Ratner, um, who led in the Obama administration the policy uh, positioning and arguments to save the auto industry. And he said, we've got to save them. Um, the ripple-throughs on the economy, if we don't, are too much. So that led to the auto bailout bill, which in the end, the government made money on. So he is seen as an influential policymaker. And his tweet, when he saw the consumer savings rate, was actually in the details provided by the Bureau of Economic Analysis, which is consumers are postponing large household purchases, anything that's a large spending item. So within that framework, let's dig one level deeper into the target market for your solar customer. Uh, next slide. So we need to have um, people who are not laid off, um, that seems like a basic one, and who own their own home. And as we look at layoffs across um, and unemployment across jobs, we see quite a bit of difference. So in the management sector, which is pretty much most white collar um, college educated employees, the, the unemployment rate right now is 7.7% as of the end of April. Um, that would have made headline news, except for the fact that every other occupation had much higher rates of unemployment. So management, positions probably went from about three and a half percent to 7.7 in the space of six weeks. So that's a pretty dramatic doubling of unemployment. But the other um, positions had far more. If you think about a household, and that's who we're selling to in a household, like a lead decision maker in the family, but most households, you know, these days are two incomes. So what we're probably seeing is if you have two management jobs, chances are nobody's been laid off. But if you have one management and one job in another sector, chances are that household is uh, zero degrees away of separation from some being laid off themselves or having someone that they know laid off. And that changes the psychology. If you look at how many people own their home by level of household income, it is amazingly distributed. Um, across income classes. And the reason for that is we have a lot of retired people who have um, low reported income for tax purposes and so on, but they already own their own home. The entry level into new homes and new home purchases, I, I don't want to say like brand new homes, but new home owners, um, in the last three or four years, there's been a household income of about 70,000. So what I take away from looking at all of this 
is uh, the best solar targets are going to be in households with more than 100000 in income because they're more likely to be in the management uh, profession and less likely to have been hit with layoffs. You want to definitely um, aim higher than we've seen before. The market has shrunk right now with the pullback in com consumer sentiment and the high savings rates. So as you're out there selling solar right now, be very focused in your lead acquisition um, and remember that homeowners do expect home values to drop it. You know, that's what happened in 2008. That's what the professionals are expecting. So make sure that part of the sale is to possibly homeowners who are not moving or not thinking about that. They're just entrenched making their home a better place for them to live in today. Uh, next slide. So driving it from macro to sales, who are we targeting? white collar professionals, top one third of owner occupied homes. When you walk in the door or walk in through Zoom, there's a deep fear about the future and people are worried about their personal economic situation. As we all know, energy independence in its various forms and grid independence has always pulled really well in consumer sentiment in the solar industry. But right now, it's also an insurance policy against California wildfires, against the future, locking a lower bill, and so on. There is a survey out there from Yale and George Mason uh, University. It was a shared survey that said sentiment about climate change has only gotten stronger in April. So while I don't think that's a leading thing, that is in the mindset of those you're talking with. How would you tell the story based on this macroeconomic um, data is what we see on the right-hand side. And some of this is traditional recessionary selling, which is show me the ROI, show me the payback, show me reliability in my savings. But I also think in this case, um, solar sometimes doesn't close the sale around payback and ROI. Now is the time to make that a clear narrative. Um, next, last slide. And when we think about, uh, we've all been talking about digitizing or digitalization of the solar sales experience, I would say the two things to take away are, we're digitizing to make it really simple, that's recessionary reaction, to nurture leads throughout a process, and through our brand, tell the story really simply and clearly. Um, this conversation has taken macro data and driven it down to a brand and selling narrative. I think when you're in a local market, the more you can get about the pulse of the local market will be better. We're not all having the same experience. Um, and checking some of this information against messages going on in the local market will be helpful. But overall, we're in a recessionary selling mode sell a simple story that's reliable and delivers a very fast and easy payback. Don't expect people to have much cash that they want to invest. Find some other way of getting the product sold. Um, thanks. That's my conclusions. Thank you, Martha. That was a fantastic setup for what's coming ahead. So um, thank you again, Martha. You'll be joining us on the 17th of June for our next town hall. So um, you're going to hop off and we're going to talk to uh, all the other guests today. So have a great day and thanks for joining us. So, okay, um, I'd like to start bringing up the panelists and Boaz now and welcome our main guest today. So we have Boaz Soifer, you've seen him already. Um, we have Michelle Spina. She is an instructional designer and trainer at Solar Edge. Hi, Michelle. This is her second time joining us. Um, we've got Peter Trost. He's the founder and CEO of the Marketing Experts at Energy Circle. Welcome, Peter. And from the contractor side, we have Trevor Sumner. He's president of Sun Badger Solar. Welcome, Trevor, for your first time on the town hall. Great to have you. So, Trevor, as our contractor representative today, um, I'd like to turn to you for our first audience question that came in pre-town hall. And it's one of the two questions that, that we're going to be tackling today, closing sales and acquisition. And this one's on acquisition. And the customer asks, how can you acquire new clients with everything happening at this time? COVID-19, the markets are plummeting. Uh, Martha just shared consumer sentiment dropping. Um, so your company, Sun Badger, has been closing quite a few deals lately, actually. And I think, you know, you've had, you said you had your best April and May ever. So how are you acquiring new clients and what are people responding to? Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, much appreciated. And I love everything that Baywa is doing and, and supporting the community and, and uh, solar businesses around the nation. So I'm a big fan of uh, not buying something new until you use everything that you already have. And so uh, in terms of customer acquisition, I would first look to what you already have uh, in-house. So many companies will have uh, somewhere between one to 10 years worth of uh, leads in their CRMs or, or whatever it is you're using to, uh, to process incoming interest. And so uh, we routinely pine our old um, prospects and we're seeing some really great results from that. Uh, what I've learned over the last five years working in solar is it takes more than one or two shots sometimes for a customer to finally make the decision to go solar. And so uh, we've seen customers come through over the course of four years uh, and sometimes Every, every spring for four years, they'll come through uh, one of our lead gens or they'll request a quote on the website and, um, and we'll go out there and we'll educate them further and we'll show them the products that we're offering that year and we'll ask them to, to go solar and for one reason or another, they may pass. Um, but eventually that interest just continues to grow their education and their confidence and then they ultimately pull the trigger. And so uh, it's very important to use your existing uh, network and uh, go back and revisit because what can happen sometimes is if you're if you're only purchasing leads from uh, one or two different aggregators uh, you may meet a customer a year or two ago that came in through solar reviews or energy sage or something like that um, and then they might be interested again but they might land on somebody else's website and uh, so they might be talking to contractors or developers that are purchasing leads from an aggregator that you're not using. Um, but that might be this, you know, that might be the year they're going to go solar. And so if you don't get back in front of them, um, they may miss your, uh, you know, they miss, they may miss what you're offering. So right. uh, really big on that. Also, uh, we've been going back and speaking with all of our um, customers that have been recently constructed and so we've following up, talking to them about their experience. We actually hired a, um, an employee uh, that their sole role is to just go back and talk to customers about their experience with SunBadger. Uh, we call them a solar success manager. And so just a real easy phone call. Hey, how was your experience working with our company? Uh, what could we improve? Uh, what did we really knock out of the park? Uh, right. And then, of course, at the end of that conversation, they're going to say, now that you have solar on the front of your beautiful home, have you had any neighbors? Have you had any friends? Has anybody asked about it? Uh, did you know that we have a referral program that, that you can access? Uh, so that's a really great way to, to generate business from what you already uh, have in-house. Great. Peter, on the, on the lead side of things, um, you know, these are strange times. You know, what is Energy Circle seeing on the paid lead front? You know, is it a good time to be investing in those? What's the landscape like right now? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Tom and, and Jessica and, and Boaz. Um, very much appreciate your remarks at the beginning of this. Um, so uh, it's been interesting. Obviously, uh, what we saw, and I'm speaking here, you know, to sort of the intelligence that we get after uh, by looking at a fairly big data set of Google ads, uh, you know, from a demand standpoint, is that uh, things dipped, certainly, uh, you know, started in March, obviously dipped uh, pretty uh, significantly in terms of overall volume to demand volume in April, but, um, but was positive in the sense that the people who, who were searching and clicking and moving through were better motivated. So we actually saw better results in some ways in terms from a, you know, lower cost per click, cost per clicks went down as much as 26%. Um, and we got better, you know, better conversion rates. So, and then what we're seeing, um, so that was kind of April, May in many parts of the country has come back pretty strong. And I think one of the things that's sort of um, telling here is there's enormous variability across the country, right? There's certain markets, um, uh, Arizona and Texas, that don't seem to have been be terribly impacted by COVID and, and, and homeowners don't seem uh, super uh, impacted by it. Whereas California, New York, uh, Massachusetts have been very, you know, very much impacted. So, so I think that, you know, the, the $64,000 question we're all asking ourselves is if, is if the, uh, the source of leads that were previously generated by 
direct contact in the form of door-to-door or events or tabling is suddenly kind of off the table or substantially off the table. And all of the people who formerly used that tactic are shifting over to the digital space. What's going to happen? It's going to get crowded. It's going to be more competitive. Uh, I think generally speaking, everyone's going to have to just be on their game that much more to be successful in what will inevitably be. It's too soon to tell. Like we're not, there's not enough data to see it yet, but uh, I do believe it's coming. Right. Thanks. That digitalization question is something we'll, we'll hit on even more in the conversation. Um, Michelle, I'd like to bounce over to you. Um, so before, before I ask, Boaz, to frame out, you know, what does digitalization look like? You know, um, what you've got three short slides that I'd like Jessica to share for us. And, and this is more on the, on the tactical front, but we're going to pull up the slides. And, and can you walk us through, you know, your tips right now on using these new digital tools? Or if they're not new, now, now they're being used more widely. And like Peter said, it's going to get more competitive. So now's the time to start using these tools. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and to uh, Trevor's point as well, um, I mean, I think that, that being optimistic and, and nurturing your pipeline right now is, is really important. Um, uh, one quick point, too, is that, um, you know, price, uh, high utility bills, they're immune to crisis. So no matter what's going on, uh, we're still going to have to pay our utility bills. Um, and so we're not selling a luxury product, right? We're selling control and predictability, which pretty much everybody wants right now. And the advantage is that um, everybody's utility bills actually going up because everybody's home. So we can still hit on that pain a little bit in that too. Um, I think taking our existing skills and moving it over to a virtual environment um, is important to think about. We're not reinventing the wheel. Uh, this first tip, I think um, one thing we can take advantage of is a lot of customers currently are getting you know, intimately familiar with Zoom. So it's not a foreign situation with, with them right now, but practicing and preparation on the consultant side, um, letting the homeowner know what's going to happen on that appointment. I think the biggest um, you know, issue we still see is consultants coming in and having to deal with tech issues right off the bat with the customer, and it takes 10 minutes to get started. So this prep helps because um, you know, if you set that customer up for success, let them know you're going to have your webcam on. You invite them to have their webcam on as well. You're going to send them a link over to the virtual platform. It's going to take 30 to 45 minutes. They should be in an uninterrupted location for that amount of time. Um, to really set up, you know, set the stage for what this appointment is. It's not just, um, you know, jumping on a quick call and, and getting a quote, but selling the value of the appointment just like we would in home. Um, one other thing on prep is, uh, generating preliminary proposals ahead of time. I think consultants already do this even with in-home situations, but you don't have that uh, homeowner um, attention as, as long as you normally would in an in-home environment. So making sure you have those proposals already generated prior to the appointment is important. Awesome. Why don't we flip the slide and I'll just ask you to quickly go through the points on these other two because I think they're really good. This, this one is you know, great for even what we're doing right now. Yeah, this one's uh, pretty obvious, I think, but just making sure that we're cognizant of what's behind us uh, with the video check. So we want to have our webcam on, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen consultants doing this from their bed. Um, it doesn't work out for building trust. Um, and so I think really a neutral situation in your background. A lot of people like to have the bookshelves, but what I like to say is I don't want these customers to read what's on my bookshelf and create misconceptions. You know, like I don't want them to have any bias. So I want something very neutral, uh, good lighting, um, yeah. something, something that's not distracting. Let's flip to the next slide. Great. Yeah, this last one, um, keeping the customer involved. This is probably the biggest thing on a virtual platform is checking in with the customer throughout the conversation. You're not monologuing just really ad nauseum asking questions to guide the conversation with the customer, asking them if they have any additional questions when you're going through the agreement, you know, piece by piece and slowing down the pace. Um, right. And then, you know, I think we're going to get into this further, but trial closing throughout using assumptive language so that when you're asking for the business at the end, it doesn't come as a surprise. Cool. Thanks. Jessica, would you mind stopping the screen share? Thank you. 
Um, so yeah, th those are great points. You know, what's in your background? Trevor is in his bedroom right now, but he's not trying to sell, you know, <laughs> it's not a big deal. Um, so, you know, I want to turn to Boaz now. Um, Martha at the top mentioned digitalization uh, in her statement this morning. This is something we've talked about for years now at Baywa. And really, it can mean a lot of things, uh, whether you're moving to only online sales or putting more emphasis on your website, digital processes. Can you uh, give us your take on what digitalization is, why it's essential right now for solar contractors, and how they should be prioritizing that work? Uh, yeah. Um. I think we're actually hearing some great examples of how I would think about digitalization if I were a solar contractor. Um, Michelle's example just now um, in the prepping for the call included having some proposals queued up, some preliminary proposals ready to share. And what that actually speaks to is um, putting a process in place that um, allows you to um, do sales differently than you would have before. Um, likewise, uh, Trevor's example of a solar success manager um, who is kind of cultivating the relationships with um, past customers. And there's an opportunity for referrals there, but there's also just an opportunity for community building and, and network building as well and getting feedback that, that might help Sun Badger um, do their work more successfully. And, and my point here is that the misconception about digitalization is that we need to run out and grab technology to apply it um, without taking a lot of thought for in our customer journey, what are the moments of truth where we really believe we can shine and connect with the customer and help them make a good choice. Um, and once we understand those moments of truth, what process do we need to put in place in order to really create the, the value that we want our customer to experience? And then after we create and test that process, maybe we want to look at um, digitalization as a way to transform that process or increase its efficiency. So um, digitalization really, in my opinion, starts with the use case. Um, starts with understanding how we're creating value for our customers, testing it in non-digital ways, and then making the transformation. And that also means digitalization is um, ultimately accessible to any solar contractor at any level of business sophistication. Great. Thanks, Boaz. Trevor, um, you guys at SunBadger have just been doing a great job on sales right now. Um, most of your sales team is using digital tools. You know, how streamlined is your process? I'm assuming some sales reps are better than others, um, but what's your training process look like? That? And I guess, is there any negative impact with your close rates using these tools versus in-person or at-home selling? Sure. Um, I really appreciated Boaz's piece about uh, digitalization and, and maybe not just for the sake of digitizing the, the sales process. Um, I've closed deals by snail mail before, uh, where, and I'm sure some people on the call uh, have as well, where they you know put together a quote and put it in a, dropped it in the mailbox and followed up by phone. And so we don't want to alienate potential customers by being uh, too digitized, but we also have to work within the environments presented by COVID. So uh, what SunBadger did was we had already been selling uh, solar remotely uh, for a number of years, but we took the existing processes that we were using to success and we, we kind of tweaked them a little bit and tried to fit them into a box uh, that was easily digestible by everybody on the sales team. So uh, just like every customer has uh, different skill levels when it comes to technology, different employees have different skill levels as well. And so uh, some of them caught on right away uh, and ran with it, saw some huge success, uh, and then some struggled. So um, really making things easier for both parties. Uh, Zoom is a great tool, uh, but it, it, it requires obviously uh, some um, knowledge on both ends of the spectrum. Some people aren't comfortable sharing their screens uh, or talking uh, digitally like this. Uh, some people might be embarrassed because their, their home is a mess and they might not wanna do a, a, a screen share like that. So having, um, 
having a tool that that just allows you to readily share uh, your salesperson's screen is huge. And so that's what we did too. So uh, we actually don't use uh, Zoom or, or uh, video conferencing as often as maybe some of our competitors do, but we have a really thorough screen share tool. And uh, it allows us to share our screen, present our screen uh, with any customer who has a laptop, a desktop, or a smartphone. And you're going to find people are going to be much more likely to click on a link uh, and watch a presentation on their smartphone. Uh, it's going to be easier for them to do than to set up, a, you know, sit down and set up a, a video conferencing. So um, that's one thing that we really use to our advantage. It also lets us tee up the proposal. And so, uh, you know, Michelle would see our presentation and uh, we would have uh, a piece where we generally start uh, by talking about who Sun Badger is. Um, maybe we have a, uh, the page open to one of our review sites and we can talk about being the, one of the top 100 solar installers uh, in the United States and uh, show the, the different customer feedback that we've had. Uh, that's a really good uh, segue into then the proposal, which you can obviously then go uh, through a slide presentation uh, during the screen share. And we, we have uh, sales managers that are really fluent in the technology we're using. And so they're uh, around to support our other sales staff, new and old, uh, to get through this technology and use it to the best of our abilities. Yeah, those are great points. Um, Peter, I'd like to pop over to you. You work with a lot of different HVAC companies, solar contractors. Um, who is really, and, and I want to transition now to, to, to closing sales. You know, who is closing sales right now? What are they doing right? Can you draw us that line? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the advantages of solar, obviously, is we are less intrusive in the home than, than uh, in the case of efficiency or, or HVAC. And so, so the, the, the first thing I would say about the companies that have continued to succeed um, is they have been very forthcoming about uh, the, what their policies and protocols are with respect to COVID and just really leading with that. I think it's a very strong statement about uh, who you are as a company, you know, uh, the, the ethics you have as a company to be, to be very forthcoming. So everything Trevor just said about the kinds of messaging that you need to have, I think that should be an important part of it. One of the things I think, and this goes to pretty much what everybody has been saying, is that people are hanging out in their homes a lot more than they used to. And so one of the things we're hearing a fair amount of is just more attention to this house, right? And, uh, you know, and, and especially on the HVAC and efficiency side, people you know, are saying, I, I'm here all the time. I recognize the challenge of these comfort issues. And so, uh, um, so, uh, so I think that's good. I also think there's an obligation here for, you know, programs and incentives to step up. Um, and it's, it's happening in certain states. Uh, Massachusetts has gotten very aggressive. Um, in New York State, NYSERDA, has, you know, has a 0% for 15 years um, financing program. It's going to run out in a nanosecond. But uh, but that kind of thing, I think, is necessary to jumpstart the market and to kind of get things back in action. Uh, and we need to be on it. I 100% agree with what Martha said earlier about, you know, upping our messaging around financing and ROI, given the economic conditions. Great. Michelle, as we as we look at uh, digital tools and, and like with Trevor's team, just getting um, people trained and adoption across the board with these tools, what do you run into, um, you know, as as pushback from from sales? Like, why do they not want to do and, and how do you how do you sell them on this idea of selling online now and this being the, the new future? Well, it's good to hear that, you know, Trevor's team already did remote selling prior to this. I think a lot of other installers are not to that advantage. And so they see this as kind of a cumbersome task. You know, I have no idea how to do this. A lot of um, business owners have come to me and said, uh, do I need to create a huge PowerPoint, you know, for, for the customers? I don't, I don't know how to present this type of thing. And I think it really boils down to, you know, the, the, the sales rep that the customer trusts is always going to be the one that wins. So, you know, however you build trust with that customer, if you're creating slides, for example, like Trevor said, he has visuals, but all the visuals he mentioned are actually important information for the customer. You don't have a 50, you know, slide deck that you're just walking through monologuing with the customer. You're building that relationship still. Um, so I think that the um, initial response 
you know, I think all of us uh, optimistically thought this was going to be a month in, you know, or two months of, of this. And now a lot of um, uh, owners, business owners and, and sales managers are seeing that they need to adopt this. Um, and I think that they're getting more comfortable with it because they're taking their, their existing skill set, the needs analysis, the um, bill review, you know, the recommended solution, and they're just adopting that into this type of environment. There's a lot of advantages to this. Um, the customers we're talking to a lot of times are the highly interested customers. They're, if we're getting leads, they're the ones that are golden, right? And we also have a very um, shortened timeline. Calendar management is easier. We can, we can stack up these appointments. Um, the follow-up timeline is shorter. So this customer is home right now. You're talking to them currently. Why can't you follow up with that customer tonight after they talk to their spouse, as opposed to three days from now when you have to drive back to the house? So I think that we have some advantages there as well. Great. Well, as I want to shoot over to you now, um, and I do want to mention to the audience that you can throw your questions in the Q&A if you have any, and we'll try to take them. Um, Boaz, so let's let's pull ourselves out for just a second on the, and, and talk about what's leading up to closing the sale. Um, we talk a lot about authenticity and culture, you know, in our company. Um, and this is who a company is. Um, you know, it's part of that pre-work. It's a part of selling who you are. Can you draw us a straight line between a company's culture and a company's ability to close sales? Hmm. Um, I don't know how straight the line is. In my opinion, it's, there's a very direct relationship there. Um, so, so the first thing that comes to mind, Tom, is that um, when I read the reviews of successful solar contractors, they often say things like um, the salesperson was super responsive and the crew showed up and um, did the work exactly the way it was planned or the work was changed, but the salesperson was still there to talk with me about it. And they, and they finished on time. They left my yard clean. All of the paperwork was taken care of. And, and what those reviews are really saying is there's a contiguous end to end process that's being managed. And in a, in a larger company that's being managed by different people in different departments. So to get that level of alignment across the whole organization so that the salesperson and the project manager and the solar success manager and, you know, every, every internal stakeholder in that process is presenting to the customer kind of this unified um, mindset is cultural. That, that is a cultural artifact and it speaks to leadership in that organization talking enough about what's important to the company and what the company's values are and how customers need to be approached in order to have a successful experience. That, those are all cultural artifacts. So um, I do think that um, there's a really direct linkage there. And, and I, the, where it's less direct, but, but really critically important is, I think if you have a strong culture, it just resonates. Um, it comes across in how every employee interacts with customers and, and with the community, um, it creates a reputation in the community that um, really can't be built any other way. Um, and and culture really is a is a, a litmus for integrity. Uh, so saying who you are and then actually acting in accordance with what you said speaks to a culture that has integrity. And um, so showing up in the community and showing up with the customer and, and how you talk internally about, uh, about customers all kind of go to the same resonance that you want to um, kind of, <laughs> this is a very Santa Fe, but you want to vibrate out into the community that you're participating in. Right. Great points. I think that holistic system in which you're allowing the salesperson to sit down and close that sale and know that they've got this infrastructure behind them, they've got a brand behind them, they've got folks and people and a culture willing to support them um, is a really great way to frame it. Um, kind of 
Trevor, I want to bounce over to you. And this is a, a question that we got in advance. And, and I, this is my favorite question of the day um, because this person is just raring to go. You know, and the question is, what is the best way to close a customer on the first call? Get their commitment to cease their search and buy from me. You know, and this is the silver bullet question, of course. You know, we've talked about what goes behind actually sitting down and, and making that sale. But in the spirit of the question, you know, are there times you just pick up the phone and you make that sale? And if so, like, what, what, what does that look like? What's happening behind the scenes there? I try to do it every time, right? Uh, that's, that's what we're shooting for. But uh, the reality is, is that sometimes, I mean, customers... Uh, have different motivations. There are different things that are going to hold them back. There are different things that uh, they're really interested about when it comes to solar energy. Uh, the customers that are uh, that are going to go solar uh, right away, one call close, are generally customers who are already educated, uh, have done some work on their own. Uh, they uh, they can relate to uh, or are already identifying with your company's brand, and so. Uh, the customers that we see buying from Sun Badger on the first uh, trip around have already read our reviews. Uh, a lot of our reviews speak to individual people in our company, and uh, that goes to what Boaz was saying about culture and integrity. Uh, we have reviews that say, my sales consultant, Dustin, did a terrific job. He always answered my questions really, uh, really quickly. The project manager, Chris, uh, did a wonderful job scheduling things. And so when Dustin goes to do a sales call with a customer who has already read that review, uh, it just, it, it makes, it, it builds that trust and confidence so much quicker uh, and, so, and so much stronger. Uh, you're generally going to see customers uh, feed off of the enthusiasm of the energy consultant. So uh, if, uh, if the people on this call here are hiring energy consultants, I would say hire the the ones with the most pep, the ones that are most excited and enthusiastic and, and willing to just jump in there because that enthusiasm carries over to the customer. And uh, you'll very often get somebody to go solar uh, just, just from that. Awesome. Um, I'm hoping you all can still hear me. Uh, my internet is saying it's a little bit unstable, but Michelle, uh, let's bounce over to you with the same question, um, but maybe like as you're approaching closing that sale, um, or maybe at that sit down, how are you working towards that close? Let's just talk tactics here. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about using assumptive language throughout. I like to use if then statements also. So if we can do this, then would you be ready to move forward? Um, I think in a virtual setting, sales reps are a little bit timid to ask for the business at the end because they're like, did I build enough rapport? Is this good enough? You know, do I have to set up another uh, follow up? And I always like to use the question of, is there anything holding you back from moving forward today? Um, and that's a, you know, non-intrusive. It allows the customer to ask additional questions. I think a lot of times right now we're hearing, and I hope I get some virtual nods here, but, um, you know, I'm going to wait until this all blows over. Uh, I'm getting multiple bids, that type of thing. And I want to be their solar advocate. So if they're getting multiple bids, great. I would love to reconvene with you to go over those bids and side by side them so we can talk through kind of the differences and, and the similarities. So I want to be their solar advocate. You know, they can get other bids, um, but bringing them back to the stage here so that I'm their point of contact. Um, and I think that, you know, just a continuing to, um, to ask for the business throughout trial closing and using assumptive language really helps to, to not surprise the customer at the end when you ask them. For the business. Awesome. Great. Peter, I want to bounce over to you, but I want to throw out to the audience that I'm going to ask for an audience participant. We've never done this before, but if, and, or if there are any brave souls out there who want to try to come up and close a deal against Michelle, uh, raise your hand and Jessica will bring you on screen. So we'll give everyone a minute to, to think about that, to consider the implications of my offer. But in the meantime, Peter, we just got a question in about um, ads in local papers. Uh, so it says, um, and I'm assuming that the question is about print magazines. Have you seen this type of local advertising be effective? Advertising in community magazines. We talked about a focus on local, you know, and maybe we're talking print and online. You know, what's your experience with that? How do you make your ROI? 
Yeah. Um, first of all, I mean, I, as much of a digital guy as I am, I'm for what works at the end of the day. So, um, so I think, I think two things on that question. Um, I'm a big fan of, of community uh, print advertising when uh, the conditions are right, which is that it's uh, that the audience for that particular publication is where you want to be. Right. And so you, you, you find, you know, community weeklies sometimes can be really terrific sources. Um, the thing to be aware of with any form of print advertising, it's really an awareness building medium. So to everything that's just been said in the last, you know, 15 minutes about how we build up our company brands and awareness and knowledge in a, in a, in, in a world in which we have most likely have less one-on-one -on -one contact. Uh, I think everything at our disposal has got to be deployed, right? And so that could be print advertising. That could be everything that Trevor was talking about in terms of, you know, uh, building up, you know, the, 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 your review landscape in terms of what, what you've got out there. So the bar is raised, I think, in terms of uh, building our reputations and brands in an online environment without as much opportunity for that, you know, really fantastic trusted one-on-one -on -one salesperson uh and so i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of the mind of uh you know uh all in right and if print advertising fits uh that's that can be an important component of it as well okay great thanks for fielding that question so it looks like we don't have anybody raising their hand but i did ask trevor before the call if he would be willing to step up and uh try to close the sale against michelle and we'll wait and people can see how this goes and then still raise their hand so uh trevor and michelle michelle just please lay the groundwork for for what you want trevor to do and then i'll let you two take it away yeah so trevor we had a great conversation and uh you're ready to you know, you've gone over the agreement with me, you're ready to ask for the business at this point. And, and I'm, I'm taking it from there, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Are you pre-qualified for uh, yes. zero down financing? Okay, good. Because that is a must uh, for anybody out there who wants to close on the first shot. Uh, so I generally end my presentations then, uh, and I'll say something like, are you ready to go solar with Sun Badger today? Just something real simple like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, everything looks good, um, but I, I think I need some time to think it over. Okay. What exactly did you want to review? Did you want to look at the equipment specifications, or were you trying to do some more research further about solar energy that I didn't cover today? Or uh, Well, I am meeting with two other companies um, later today, so I just wanted to, to get those bids first. Sure. Uh, well, just to let you know, Sun Badger was recently rated the number 14th solar installer in the nation by Solar Reviews, and we're actually the number one rated contractor in the state right now. So were you looking to, to talk to a company that didn't have as high of uh, ratings and reviews as Sun Badger? Or? Well, I don't know what their reviews are yet. I haven't, I haven't talked to them. I haven't really looked into it. Um, but I mean, we're, we're really just looking for the best price, the best product. So I just kind of wanted to get a couple other bids. Sure, so it's, a, it's a price objection. <laughs> uh, well, I would probably go back to the equipment then that we had quoted. So uh, Sun Badger is using LG products and right now we're offering uh, the LG 350 watt panels with the 25 year blanket warranty. Uh, that's one of the best in uh, panels on the market right now and you know, we're also an LG Gold dealer, so we have a very high certification and a lot of support from that company. Okay, that's good. Uh, get to the close, Trevor. You got to at least ask again. I got to ask again. Okay, so I mean, you're so, not going to leave I, it hanging, right? Well, no. So I guess I would say, uh, you know, something to the effect of. Uh, so generally, what we'll do is Sun Badger will have a. Um, uh, uh, if it's a price issue, like we could offer a discount for that, you know, for a close that day. So we sometimes encourage our reps to call their sales managers and, uh, and say, well, let me see if there's something I could do right now, because we're trying to fill up our installation calendar uh, for the end of the month. And, uh, and so then I might, you know, step out, uh, make a phone call and then come back and say, uh, okay, hey, look, I talked to Trevor. We really want to get this deal. Uh, we've got a neighbor right down the street that went solar with us. Uh, and so we're willing to give you $1,000 off if you sign right now. Mm 
Great. Michelle, any feedback real quick? Yeah, well, I think that Mario had a good point in the chat box as well. He says he yeah. would um, you know, go over the benefits to the customer and rephrase the questions. What is, what is it gonna take today to secure a purchase with us? Um, I like that question as well because um, you know, me as the customer talked about price, right? So Trevor says he would maybe bring up a, um, a price discount. Maybe you don't have to go as, as hard as a price discount. You know, what is this customer actually looking for? Um, and I also like to point out to customers, you know, your time is valuable. Um, so be relatable to say, you know, we went through, you know, solar presentation. Was there anything that, that you didn't like about my presentation or you still have questions about? Is there something that you're looking for specifically from these other um, solar companies that I didn't provide for you? Because I would hate for you to have to go through, you know, two other consultations um, when you already have the information you need. Um, and then try to, you know, probe from there because their time is also valuable, even though they are home. Um, you know, I, I don't want them to sit through another hour presentation from each of these companies. Um, so Mario is just getting into this chat box. Um, yep. Don't be quick to give to give money away. We should have called on Mario for this um, for this uh, role play because I think he would have gotten it. But uh, I I agree with him. Um, I think he has some good points. Control the conversation. Um, make donors. You know, these customers we assume they can afford it. So. Um, they're always going to go back to price, but but what's the value of your time? Um, and what price are you looking for? Did the price I gave you surprise you? you know? Great. Good thoughts, Michelle. Trevor, thank you for putting yourself out there. Mario, next time, please raise your hand. We'd like to hear from you as well. Um, so this was fun. Maybe we'll do this uh, again, um, have this little round table and see if it can descend into chaos. Um, I'd like to have Boaz wrap us up um, and say goodbye to the panelists. But first, uh, Jessica, would you please put our survey link in the chat box, please? Let us know how, what you think about our town halls, what we can do um, to help our solar community now. What topics do you want us to, to cover? Who should we bring on? Please let us know. Um, um, and so, yeah, uh, I would like to thank Trevor Sumner from Sun Badger Solar for coming on today, Michelle Spina from Solar Edge, Peter Trost from Energy Circle. Uh, it's great to have your insights and your thoughts. It's been wonderful. Um, and I will say goodbye, and then Boaz will take us away. Thanks, Boaz. Thank you, Tom, and thank you, Jessica, for producing. Um, Alex in, on our team just reminded me to um, mention our mindfulness session um, coming up as well. Jessica posted that a link to that in the chat earlier, so um, you can scroll back. Um, there was also a question in the chat about whether the slide decks would be shared, and um, I know the video will be shared at least. So um, video plus screenshots equals slide deck, but if we can get the slide decks for you as well, then we will. Um, so yeah, thank you, um, Peter, Michelle, uh, Trevor, um, and Martha, although you're, you're not here on the call, it was a great discussion today. Thank you to all of our attendees. Um, I think we have a lot to think about um, right now as organizations, both relating to the content of this call, but also bringing back again the, the backdrop for this call as well. Both Martha's comments at the beginning, which were um, great about uh, consumer sentiment and how the market for residential solar might be changing, um, and the backdrop behind that um, about how solar energy um, is related to energy democracy, environmental justice, social justice, and those are probably the most important topics of our day. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.